0: We love film and family, tech and travel. We like our plates full, we'll sleep when we're dead, and we'll spend our last five bucks on the best meal in town. He's the why and the what, and I'm the how and the when. We're a perfect team and a party of three, and we're doing big things, trying not to sweat the small stuff. And this is The Whole Story. July 29th, 2020. On Monday, July 20th, 2020, we arrived at JFK, having left our Hoboken apartment, personal effects packed and organized into Ellis's room, and ready for subletters navigating their own COVID-infused journey. We knew the AC wasn't working quite right. We knew we didn't have visas yet for our well-over-90-day stay in the EU. But we have a race car driver on our hands and months maybe even years of conscious and subconscious manifestation had culminated in this moment this weird and unique moment we were going and we were going now making the leap off to europe where the electric racing is so when we got to the airport packed economically into three checked bags and three backpacks including an entire sim rig setup and enough gear to shoot a documentary mind you We approached the empty queue toward the Aer Lingus desk agent and saw the scotch-taped printed signs clearly saying that U.S. citizens without residence permits were not allowed into the EU. I presented my organized, thoughtful, thorough dossier of documentation, a letter in German and English about the series Ellis would participate in, birth certificates, international health insurance, bank statements, official letters from the FIA, dual citizenship docs in progress, and visa applications ready to go. All the documentation I needed, I was sure, to show that our reason for arriving in the EU in the middle of a pandemic was absolutely warranted, that the thing we were going to do was undoable from anywhere else in the world, that we were responsible, organized, and making the most efficient, swift journey from New York City to Germany, and that we intended to stay for a significant period of time, making ourselves more than transient tourists in a foreign nation. I handed our passports to the desk agent. Your stopover is in Dublin, the agent says, rhetorically. Yes, sir, I reply, leaving the small talk, schmoozy stuff to Frank. It's more than 24 hours from when you land. Again, with the rhetorical thing. Yes, sir, Erlingus changed our flights a few days ago. He told us we shouldn't do that. He told us that if we stayed in Ireland for more than 24 hours that they wouldn't let us into Germany. That's when we told him that we had already booked another flight on Ryanair, taking us from Dublin to Hamburg on the same morning as our flight landed in Dublin. So we would be, quote, in transit, which was entirely allowed, according to the nifty EU COVID travel site I had permanently bookmarked on every device I owned. He checked our bags. I sweated through my entire shirt before we even left the desk. My mask was making me hyperventilate, but hiding my sickened expression. It had never even occurred to me that we wouldn't make it out of New York City. He made notes on the computer for Peter, who was late, and we moved on to an empty security line. At least the TSA agents were a bit cheery, considering the low flow of passengers. Later checking our flights, I realized that he had attached our original Dublin to Berlin flight itinerary to our return flight. A stroke of luck, surreptitious or accidental on his part, that would play into our Rube Goldberg machine-like adventure. We did normal airport things. I'd gotten us passes to the Aer Lingus Lounge, but when we got there, it was closed. We sat and had beer and bad pizza, bought huge heavy bottles of water to lug on the plane, and talked about what we were most looking forward to. That we already missed the dog, that we hoped the air conditioner thing would be fine, and hated having to have help from our friends to manage our shit while we're away. That the first of the month was coming, and we haven't heard anything from the landlord in months since we stopped paying the rent in April. That this is the beginning of something, and even though we don't know where it's meant to lead, we're keenly aware that it's a moment in hindsight that will become a pivot, a directional change in the tangent of our story as a family. Wheels down in Dublin after an uneventful flight. Crap meal, not enough sleep, dry like the frickin' Sahara. We made our way to passport control where the realization occurred that we were pretty much the only people aboard with U.S. passports. The guy in front of us was lanky, youngish, and within a minute or two was pulled aside and asked to sit in a chair and wait. Normally, I might have had a snarky response, an immediate bias about him and his situation. Now I watched closely to see what actually happened if they didn't stamp your book and wave you through. My crew left it up to me, armed with paperwork and a mental map of dates and information to do the talking, with Francesco as my backup, working the small talk where necessary. Peter? It was his second time leaving the country after Ellis' Spain race last year, and Ellis, gleefully unaware of the treachery in every step of this half-cocked plan. The border agent asked the usual, where are you going? When are you going there? How long will you be here? Uneventfully, he stamped our passports, marking them in transit 24 hours and sending us on our way. We collected our luggage and headed for the, quote, dining hall, which ended up being like a scene out of train spotting. If there wasn't COVID, surely there was a menagerie of other things to catch as souvenir journeys from our Dublin stopover from the Rip Banquettes hosting overnight sleepers, definitely not on their way to catch a flight tables crusted with leftover McDonald's and disposable masks, and dimly lit, used-to-be restaurant stalls, now closed entirely. I'm a rule-abider, conflict-avoider. I want to follow a logical, pragmatic way through what's allowed. Hence, my dossier of documentation, my rational, efficient proof of valid and essential reasons for our trip, my supporting story of how we intend to be here long-term, how we are actually getting dual citizenship, how we've given up our apartment, sold our car, and done everything to prepare for a legal, responsible, long-term stay in Europe. Fatal flaw. TMI. In these moments, I am thankful for my husband's utter and absolute, binary opposite approach to mine. Shut up, give only the information you're being asked for, and no one to work them over. I admittedly suck at this. For the few hours we were there, the people of Dublin, and the airport at least, were fantastic. We had a real Irish breakfast, and after sitting, the waitress approached us. Would you like alcohol? Her matter-of-fact nonjudgmental nature was something I was going to need to hold on to entering Germany. I kind of felt like a loser for declining, looking around and seeing Guinness and bubbly pints as a standard side to a meaty plate. The boys, Peter and Alice, shopped. Frank and I did video interviews, which I'm sure at this point had me talking about how nervous I was in New York City, but how excited I was to be halfway there, and how I probably have that excited traveler look on my face with no idea what was about to hit me. At the gate, a Middle Eastern woman communicated with the gate agent, mostly through hand signals. I could gather that she had to check her hand baggage at the gate, that it cost money, and that she only had cash. At the agent's request of the crowd, I volunteered to use my credit card and take her cash to pay. Then I was asked to pay for my own hand baggage, which included my backpack and Alice's backpack, which was actually full of things computer-related that did not even belong to Alice, since he was holding onto his helmet bag with a death grip, not letting anyone take it anywhere, no matter what. On the plane to Hamburg. It was a shitty little flight, like the spirit or frontier of Europe. It will get you there in one piece, but there isn't a frill to be found. It was less than two hours till we touched down in Hamburg. I didn't like the sick, uneasy feeling of not knowing what would happen next. I didn't like the lack of Reddit threads and forum posts outlining other people's experience with this situation, and I didn't like that the bottom line was that it was, quote, up to the border agent you encounter to decide whether your purpose for arrival fell into a slim number of categories deemed essential. I'm aware of how this looks from the outside to a viewer. It's a global pandemic. People are on lockdown, self-quarantine, schools are closed, you can't eat in a restaurant or go to the gym or walk down the street without wearing a mask. Google isn't having its employees back in its buildings until mid-year 2021, and most of us have washed our hands raw. What the fuck on earth is my family doing traveling to Europe to go racing? We're taking a risk, yes. You're taking a risk every time you open your eyes and get out of bed in the morning. It's which risks, when, why, or for how long. For us, this journey, this purpose was well worth the risk. It makes sense to me now why parents would beg, borrow, steal, and bribe to have their kids get into the university they want. The line between ethical, moral, and legal is razor thin, and parents walk it every day, swimming upstream against public opinion. The Whole Story is a podcast about my family's journey to follow Ellis' singular passion during a global pandemic. The episodes are audio recordings of the journal I've been keeping since the day we left home in 2020. To learn more, follow The Whole Story on Instagram and visit our website, elysium.co. And remember, life is good, life is hard. These two truths are unrelated. You know, you drive me crazy. You know, you dropped me mad. But I could never live a day without you